Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. There's a reason I'm here. I am supposed to be the destroyer. I'm supposed to take everybody and destroy all offensive linemen because this is what God made me for. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Welcome in, Stack in the Box, June 15th, big day on the show. One of the greatest Minnesota Vikings of all time is coming on in about 15 minutes, so hang around for John Randall, led the NFL in sacks with 15 and a half back in 1997. Hey, Verderam, trivia, how many years in a row did John Randall have double-digit sacks? Ooh. How many years in a row in his NFL career did he go double-digit? That's tough. He he was a monster. Uh, seven. He did it eight years in a row, and then he had eight with the Vikings in 2000. Then he went to Seattle for his final three years. In his first year as a Seahawk, he had 11. So nine out of ten. That's pretty consistent uh, performance. They're 137 and a half for his career. Yeah, not bad for a defensive tackle. Like that, that's, uh, I'm, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm like 99.9% sure that's the all time record for an interior lineman. Yeah, we can do a little double check there. Uh, perhaps Adam Patrick can help us out with that too. Junior editor uh, for fan side. He also covers the Vikings for the Vikings age. He's got a podcast, which, uh, shockingly is called the Vikings age for Minnesota Vikings fans. We'll talk some, NFC North and Vikings football with Adam Patrick at straight underscore cash underscore homie on Twitter coming up. That's a way cooler Twitter than yours, Verderam. Uh, not even a question. I will say, though, by the way, yes, uh, Randall, 137 and a half, tied 10th all time with Richard Dent. Uh, it's not even close. Uh, he is easily the leader for interior pass rushers. In fact, in the top 20, he's the only one. So it just goes to show how great he truly was. Wow, that is uh, that's awesome. I mean, Richard Denton, for us Bears fans in here, that that ninety five is always going to bring a smile to the face. But they were completely different players, and to have that level of getting to the quarterback, it's 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 kind of astounding, actually. So uh, unless unless I'm missing something, he's the only guy who's an interior rusher who's even over ninety. I don't, unless I'm missing somebody and, and it's possible if I'm, if I just am blind, but I don't, you're, you're 1000% certain you always played on the in, inside. Oh, here's a D tackle. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Never. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Aaron Donald's next. Aaron Donald's behind him at 85 and a half. Well, and he'll probably end up passing him if he stays healthy, but that's, 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 that's a, that's a late company, right? That's still yeah. 52 sacks, man. Yeah. That's no, a that, lot of sacks. Like, that's how great Richard John Randall was. It's another so, you fun to have fun. on the show. Yeah, a- absolutely. Look, and John's always super fun to talk to. So uh, that's coming up now, probably about 10 minutes. And then we'll talk to Adam after. John, what we're going to talk about right now is some power rankings of Verderam. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, have 
you know, double, triple, quadruple down. Uh, one interesting stat for the Bucks: 31 players uh, for Tampa lined up last year for at least 200 snaps, right? And that's on offense and on defense. And 31 uh, of those players are coming back. So this is, uh, they've been creative. They've extended Brady. They've done everything they could to bring the team back and go for uh, another Super Bowl, which I've been saying every week that I don't buy as possible. But the more you watch the way the offseason is unfolding, the more it makes you want to lean towards Tampa because, you know, you got Aaron Rodgers' situation and you got the right. Saints' situation. You just got, I mean, really, uh, Kansas City is the only reason right now at least in my mind, that you can feel comfortable saying that it's not going to be the Bucks. Certainly well, you know, not in the NFC. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. Look, there has not been a, a rematch in the Super Bowl since Super Bowl 27-28 when it was the Bills and the Cowboys, which obviously in both scenarios was a demolition. Dallas just pounded Buffalo in both games. If you said to me a repeat or the field, you have to take the field. Because the odds are just so overwhelming in your favor, not just historically, but just in, in just a present-day standpoint. However, I have a really hard time, barring, of course, injury, which is, by the way, probably why we won't have a repeat, because one of those teams will deal with injuries. But if you take the injuries out of it for a second, and I think you have to when you're predicting and kind of couching things, like – it's hard not to arrive at the conclusion that they're going to see each other again. I mean, it's it just – I'm I'm with you, Carm. You know, the Saints don't have a quarterback you can believe in. I like Seattle. I do. But it always feels like they just come up small, like either defensively they're a wreck or offensively they're out of rhythm. I mean, they, obviously Wilson's been to two Super Bowls, but since that second Super Bowl, which is 2014, they've not even been back to the NFC Championship game. They haven't come close. So, you know, you got the Rams I like, but I, you know, that that also could be eight and nine, depending on how things shake, like if Stafford can stay healthy. So you're right. Like, I like Tampa in the NFC again. And then with the Chiefs in the AFC, like, who got better? Buffalo's not better. Baltimore's not better. Cleveland, I think, got better. But is Cleveland good enough to beat Kansas City in Arrowhead in January? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my mortgage on it. New England's got to be better. New England's better. I, you know how I feel with that, man. I think New England spent a quarter of a billion dollars and is basically the exact same team. But, but are they better? Yes. Or do are do I think they're like contender better? I I I fall short of that. Well, it really comes down to at least in my mind for the Patriots if Mac Jones can be the steal of the draft, and sure. if, if that happens. Cam sucks. We go to turn to Mac, and all of a sudden the storyline is, can, can you believe how freaking good Mac Jones is? Um, you know, they, they're, they're, they're adding tight ends left and right. They've gone, they paid a ton for Nelson Aguilar, um, yep. which, yep. which kind of seems ridiculous, but I like they, the Judon signing because he gives them some pass rush, which they had not had. So that helps. Right. So that, I mean, when you're talking like, Hey, anybody looking for a sleeper out there? Like the Patriots, if you're if you wanna take a flyer, I mean it's a pretty big flyer because I think we all agree that that it's not gonna be with Cam, which I've seen some people speculate like or just uh, throw out that you know they would have been better off letting Cam go. Let's go with near dead Ryan Fitzpatrick 
as your insurance policy while you wait for Mac Jones versus Cam, which I don't hate that thought, by the way. I don't think it makes a difference, really. That, that's kind of where I land on that. Like, you're just shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic at that point, right? Like, it's not like you're like, man, if we get Fitzpatrick in here, that's the Super Bowl. I, you know, look, I think in the NFL, you know, I, I always kind of look at it and say some years there's a clear favorite. And some years it's kind of like, here's 10 teams that you think are all in the same boat, so to speak, to varying degrees. I think this is one of those years where it's just, there's clear favorites. Kansas City and Tampa, are just, they're just better than everybody else. They are. They're just better. Now, then does that mean that they're guaranteed to get there? No, it doesn't. Of course not. Injuries happen. Upsets happen. Every game in the NFL playoffs is game seven. And all it takes is an injury during the game or just a weird play. Like, people underestimate just fluky stuff. You know, you have a kick return for a touchdown. A ball gets tipped up in the air and picked off. Like, that stuff happens in the NFL. Like, in the NBA, it's a seven-game series. The best team's going to win that series 99% of the time. They just are. Whereas in, in football, it's just not the case. You know, I mean, it, you know, we we could talk about upsets for days, for days. John Randall, who's coming on, I'm sure – we're not going to ask him about it because I'm sure he doesn't want to talk about it. The 98 NFC Championship game. That game probably wakes John Randall up in a cold in a cold sweat once a week. If you like, don't ask it, I will. That's got to be thrown out there. Let's all right. go. Well, you're a bigger man than I am. Look, Atlanta, Atlanta was not anywhere near the caliber of Minnesota that year, but they beat him. You know, Gary Anderson misses a kick. The Vikings drop, you know, drop some opportunities throughout the game. Whatever. It happens, right? But I do think, look. We talked about power rankings. I'm going to give my top five, and Carm, you give yours. As we head into, I think it's technically here, mini camp, but really into training camp. I have Kansas City number one. It's it's not anything to do with you know my my background. It has more to do with the fact their biggest issue last year was their offensive line that has been corrected in a big way. I like that they're talking about moving Chris Jones outside a lot more. I think that helps. You've got Jaron Reed, you've got Naughty, you've got Deshaun Wharton, guys you want to see more of. So I like that, and I think it, it takes some of the pressure off Clark on the outside. So I think they're number one, mostly because of that offensive line being built up the way it's been. Tampa, for me, is a very close number two. Tampa's really, really good. If I have fear for both of those teams, Kansas City, it's a secondary after losing Breland. They're one injury to one of their corners away from being a team you can throw on. Number And then Tampa... My concern is two-pronged. One is the age of a lot of these guys. They're just older. They're an older team. Brady's 100 years old. Gronk's old, has an injury history. Sue is old. Uh, you know, Pierre Paul is old. David is, is on the other side of 30. Antonio Brown's on the other side of 30. That's a lot of guys. And, and so that that is the concern with them. And then also their corners are not exactly overwhelming. But overall, that defense is so good, I think they can, they can paint over that. Then quickly, three, four, five. I like Buffalo as my third team. I think the Bills are really, really good. I think they're a contender. Do I think they're Kansas City? No. I think that was proven out last year. Do I think they're the team that's got the best shot in the AFC to beat them? Yes. Then I'd give you Seattle at four. Um, you know, no, I'll go back. I'll give you Green Bay at four, Seattle at five. I, I still, As long as Rodgers is there, I still think the Packers are really, really good. I think Lindsley's a big loss. I don't know how healthy Bakhtiari is going to be right away, which is why I have him a touch behind Buffalo. But that's my one, two, three, four, five. Kansas City, Tampa, Buffalo, Green Bay, Seattle. Since you uh, – I want to 
touch on that, uh, what you just said, as far as Lindsley being the big loss and added on to the Chargers who continue to add on to their offensive line. That could be another sleeper for the record. Um, Chargers finished up last year hot. Chargers have added on to the offensive line. Chargers have my guy. One of those guys is Rashawn Slater, the first round pick out of Northwestern. Go Cats. I'm heavily invested in the Chargers. Uh, but to give you my top five, Vertoram, I the yep. Chiefs to me are runaway number one, potential 20 and 0. Let's go. 21 is it 21 and 0 now? 20, 20 and 0. Never mind. Um, but I think Kansas City is one, like everything they've done, even with Kyle Long. Uh, perhaps never getting back onto the field. That was a nice flyer. I hope he does get healthy. Uh, that was a disappointing moment in the offseason. I really uh, appreciate Kyle Long and everything he's done uh, on and off the field. Uh, but my number two is the Green Bay Packers, Vertoram. I am okay. still an optimist in life. As you know, every day when you talk to me, I'm always full of cheer and, and flowers and sunshine. This is going to work out. Uh, I believe in Mark Murphy. We'll touch on that a little bit later in the podcast. Some of his uh, comments in a question and answer session that he does on the Packers website. Uh, I believe that Aaron Rodgers will come to his uh, senses at some point. So I'm betting against Tampa, even though, um, you know, it, part of me is just doing this to because uh, I'm tired of, of the Brady extravaganza. But uh, the, the Bucks certainly are a safer play, but I'm going to put Green Bay ahead of them to come out of the NFC. So that's my two and three. Okay. And then I'll go over to the AFC for four and five. My four, I, I'm, I'm throwing the Tennessee Titans up there, Vertoram. Give at me Julio. Four. What's that? The, t- the Tennessee Titans at four? Yes. Well, okay. All right. That's, I, like, I like bold. I, I, I think you're insane, but I, I like bold. A, a more balanced Titans attack with a resurgent Julio. I love it. Um, you're going to – Ryan Tannehill, you are Derrick Henry, all y'all. Uh, love Rabel. Let's go, Tennessee. I'm putting you at four. Heavy bet, and then I'll th- slide the Buffalo Bills in at number five for Carms, June 15th, power rankings. Take it or leave it or love it. Leave a rating. You love stacking the box. You know, just here, here, in all seriousness, yeah. leave us a comment. Leave a rating, please. Five-star rating, leave a review. But in the in the end, and please, of course, subscribe if you don't rate. But in the, in the comment, give us your top five teams. Give us your power rankings. And we'll read them off on the show. We'll discuss next show, okay? Go in, again, five-star rating, and just no. rip off your five teams. Five teams going to the season. Who you got? I'm curious to hear. Because I, I got to say, Carm, you have stunned me with the Titans at four. I love I, the, the offense is good. The defense just, I, I think, is an abomination. But I do I do like Autry and Dupree coming in there. Jeffrey Simmons up front. I, they do have some capable players there. I am terrified to no end of that secondary. But we'll see. I like the boldness. It, it, it's, it is a fair uh, attack on the Titans defense. But when I look at uh, a team that is all in trying to win Super Bowls and it's June the 15th, I'm a buyer on Tennessee, baby. Let's go. Okay. Tennessee Let's Titans for the win um, as we're about to bring in uh, John Randall. But before we do that, give me a contender that you think is going to fall on their face for a ram. Who's your, who's your sleeper dud? Or not even a sleeper, but just give me a give me a contender who's going to fall flat in 2021 June 15th prediction. Right the hell now. I was in on him last year. I'm out 
put on Arizona. Arizona. You and, did. And, and I like Kyler Murray. It's not a Kyler Murray thing. I don't like Kingsbury as a head coach. I don't like him as a head coach. And I, you know what? The, it, people say, well, they got J.J. Watt. They, it, yeah, but J.J. Watt's 100, and he's been good one out of the last five years. Like, I don't care that they got J.J. Watt. I don't care. They, they should have been paying Chandler Jones, is what they should have been doing, instead of paying J.J. Watt. Okay, so now you got you got Jones in a tenuous spot. They, I do like Hudson. I do like Rodney Hudson, but they signed AJ Green. AJ Green has been brutal for three years, like or hurt one of the two. So I, I just look at the Cardinals and the air part of it too. That is a that is a gauntlet of a division. If the Niners are healthy, I mean somebody's got to lose all those divisional games, right? Like I get it. You could sit there and say, well, they're going to all go three and three. That's not the way it works. Like one of those teams is going to go two and four. My bet is, is is obviously on the Cardinals. That is just a rough slate. And the AFC, real quick, I don't think this team falls in its face, but I, I think Baltimore is an interesting team to watch here. Like it feels like they got to take a step forward or they're going to almost be forced into taking a step back. I, I think they're good. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs, but I. Are they going to finally join like Kansas City and be that elite contender? Or are they just going to kind of peter out and be a team that, yeah, they'll be there in January, but then they're probably not going far. Biggest disappointment in the AFC for me, and the Ravens are an interesting call, but and, and they didn't make the playoffs last year. But um, the Miami Dolphins, I think, are going to be your most disappointing. I mean, last year they were That's sniffing it 10 and 6. Now you're all in on Tua. I'm all out. So Miami is my my extreme sell, if you will, in the AFC. NFC wise, I'm gonna punt on Seattle. Really? Uh, which is okay. I don't right. fe- I don't feel overly confident in that call, but I don't think that uh, all of a sudden the positive flowing words of a Russell Wilson um, and the, the drama that's been around this entire offseason. Somehow I just think that uh, it's been a, the, the apple cart has been ruffled, if you will, shaken too much for the Seahawks to be a 12 and four top of the division NFC West team. I, I, I would bet on Stafford and the Rams stunning the world. I, the Cardinals is, I, I don't, I, I don't hate your call there either, but even a resurgent Niners team, let's go Jimmy G get healthy. Trey Lance pushing you. Like, I, I would bet on the Seahawks not coming out of the West. That's uh, fair. That's fair. It's, it's a brutal division, and I like the Miami pick. By the way, as we've been sitting here talking, the Dolphins are a mini camp, and I'm looking at my Twitter feed, and it is just one Dolphins beat writer after the next talking about how many picks two is thrown in seven-on-seven drills, which is almost impossible to throw an interception in. It's basically throwing its air. And it's apparently just wailing one interception after the next. Um, two picks and a drop pick which is just brutal. Like seven on sevens is so, it's basically take a three-step drop and just hit the open guy in the hands. And to, to just be throwing picks in that is, look, it's a seven on seven drill in minicamp. Like I'm not going to make a federal case out of it, but also not like encouraging news if you're a Dolphins fan here. No, but I, I think what is important right now that you're underlining is that on June the 15th at – 1233 Eastern, 1133 Central, as we record this podcast, Verderam is sitting there watching seven-on-seven drills of the Dolphins. That is why, quite frankly, 
I look to you as my NFL guru, as my NFL hero, as if I wasn't on this podcast, I would just spend all my day listening to, or at least part of my day once a week listening to this podcast, just because that's what you do with your life. You're right to feel that way. No, I, uh, I just happen to be on Twitter and see it. But um, one thing to keep in mind, this is a new feature at Sack the Box, which we really we, we should have led with, but um, it's worth noting, and we'll note it, of course, throughout uh, future podcasts as well for new listeners. If you haven't already subscribed to Fansided on YouTube, if you haven't gone to the YouTube channel for Fansided, you should. You should subscribe to it. There's a lot of great content. Carm, you, you'll see Carm featured prominently throughout the YouTube channel. But now you will also see this show, which will be on YouTube each and every week. So if you enjoy the audio version and you're at work and you're like, you know what? I'd really like to catch the show. You can now catch it. You can watch it on YouTube if you, if you want to get away from work for an hour. So check it out. Stack in the box. It is on the fan-sided channel on YouTube. It'll be on there every week. The whole show upload, not just a clip or two. It'll be the entire show. Uh, something to check out. Something to consider. Are you going to dress better? Eh, <laughs> you know, it depends. It depends. That's kind of my shtick at this point. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, right. I mean, I don't think you necessarily should. I think maybe you should say, hey, dressing worse would be uh, perhaps a, 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 a fine choice. You're wearing a hoodie. I uh, hate I right. But you're this getting is, on my ass. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. You're wearing a hoodie. This this <laughs> this is one of my more relaxed uh, stack of the boxers as I'm on a little bit of a a, a, a summer siesta. Dude, if where you will. are you? I'm, I'm up in Michigan, little lakeside, Michigan. Very nice. Very nice. It's lovely. Uh, all right, here, let's take a quick time out, and then we're going to bring in John Randall, the seven-time Pro Bowler, six-time first-team All-Pro, NFL sack leader. Uh, yeah, and on the NFL's 100th anniversary all-time team. Uh, John Randall coming up in a second. It is time for us to get rich. Hang tight. We'll be right with you. It's Stacking the Box. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. One of my favorite players of all time. I think one of everyone's favorite players of all time. How can you not love 93? John Randall, great to see you. Working with Sleep Number today, joining the Stacking the Box podcast and talking to fan sided. John, let's start at the top here. You're working with Sleep Number. You're sleeping well. Why was this a partnership you wanted to enter into? Well, after 14 years playing in the National Football League, and when you've been through all the stuff I've been through with the trash talking, you want to, I want to find a way to relax. And one of the best ways for me to relax was with Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. Now, I don't want to talk too much, but I've, I've had this bed for about three years and it definitely has been a big factor in my retirement to where it helps me sleep better at night and recover in the morning. So allows me to go out and play a bunch of golf here in Minnesota with a lot of guys and compete with these guys. And uh, it's been great for me. It's funny that you bring up Minnesota because I wanted to ask you the difference between a Minnesotan and a Texan. You growing oh. up in Mumford, Texas, without <laughs> without your sleep number, I'm assuming at that point. Yeah. Can you, can you underline the difference between those two uh, fine states that uh, you've got to spend a ton of time in? Yes. For Texas, it is hot. 
hot, hot, hot. Now in Minnesota, it gets cold, cold, cold here. And uh, you know, I've been here in Minnesota a long time, and but I gotta say, one of the things I appreciate a, a lot about Minnesota is that if I lose a golf ball in the grass, I can walk out there and pick it up with no problem because there are no ferocious snakes in in that in the grass. And so, as being a fellow, being a, a former Texan, I really do appreciate that. <laughs> You'll run over by a deer, but <laughs> no, there's well, no say. But you can see that deer coming, you know what I mean? You, okay. you see that, you're like, okay. But the snakes, you can't see. And so, no, it, it's great, though. I really appreciate going up here and uh, met a lot of uh, a, a great friends, people and stuff. And uh, Sleep Numbers is, is one of them. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to talk about this new program that we got, the Sleep 30 Challenge that's coming up, which is for 30 days. You know, it started uh, June 14th and going through July 11th, and it's for 30 days, and it's going to allow me and other legends or former players to compete. And we know us old guys, we still like to compete, but not as as we did on a football field, but doing it in such a different way. And I compete with guys on a golf course. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose, but doing this program to sleep number it's this challenge, this uh, challenge 30. It's, it's going to be great. I'm excited for it. And I look for a lot more legends out there to compete with me and see who gets better rest. I think I got the advantage because being in Minnesota, we do a lot more sleeping in the wintertime. You know, John, uh, Matt Verter, I'm here. And I just wanted to ask you where do you place yourself when you look back on your career? when it comes to defensive tackles, interior pass rushers, obviously there's the new school, like an Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. old school guys like Bob Lilly and Merlin Olsen. When you sit back and think about it, maybe laying on your sleep number bed, where do you put yourself? <laughs> you know what? Uh, that is a good question. Because um, when I got into the league, the guys really weren't using the hand techniques and stuff. And I got to look at it as uh, one of the stories I've heard from Lawrence Taylor, who, who, was going against Eric Dickinson, and he said Eric Dickinson kept cutting him, and Lawrence kept getting up telling him he better stop that. But I see myself as as probably as one of the coolest free agents to ever play this game. I mean, most of all the other guys, I think they were all hand-picked. They were draft picks. So myself, being a free agent, a guy who was only expected to be in the National Football League for about two weeks, and to go from being a free agent, being a starter, uh, making it to the hall, being in the top 100. And um, at the end of the day, I just appreciate that the game gave me so much because I, I tried to give it my all. And, uh, you know, you can never really try to say that you're, you, you see yourself as this number or, or number five or number 10 because people are going to look at it in a different perspective uh I didn't have a lot of talent that got me guys that were that talented to play with with me as a lot of these other guys they've got two to three different linemen that are playing with them who are pro bowlers and myself I just said I was a very fortunate guy to play at a game that just gave me so much you were you know the energizer bunny john and and people say that you had the chip on your shoulder because of the undrafted thing and you carried that all the way through the nfl but that level of energy that's that had to have been there pretty much from day one you don't just walk into the nfl and create that 
where do you, where do you think that came from? Because it, it clearly, I mean, the talent was one thing, but that, that level of intensity carried you. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, me being a Texan, me a Texan growing up in a town of 150 people and you really, and I really didn't have much growing up. My mom always instilled in me, if you want to achieve things in life, you got to work for it. And when I got my opportunity to, 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 to be in the National Football League, I said to myself that I was not going to let where I grew up at become something of my past. So every day when I was on the field, even, even if it was practice or walkthrough, I wanted to go out there and give it 110% because to me, playing in the National Football League is an honor because growing up, idolizing the glided football players, wanting to be one of those guys, and then getting the chance and the opportunity to play, I wanted to show why I belonged. And, and I hope that guys who are playing now realize that they're playing a game that so many other people fantasize about being a part of just for one year. And for me, having the opportunity to do it for 14 years, man, I just, I feel I'm blessed. It just, you know, it, just being in the right place at the right time was a big part of it. I mean, you come out of school, 1990, like you said, you got undrafted or you go undrafted. Try it out with the Buccaneers. I don't think a ton of people know about. Yeah. You know, and with their, what with their astute scouting and coaching, you, you, you yeah. cut, you end up in Minnesota. And then there's the story that I know you've told where you're, you're wearing a chain around your waist yeah. to make weight to make the team. At what point, maybe during your rookie year, second year, whatever it was, did you realize, you know, what I can play in the NFL, not just play, but be a pretty damn good player? You know, I, I, my first year was probably the hardest year for me because um, my coach, Paul Wiggins, defensive coordinator, uh, Floyd Peters, <laughs> they would tell me before the game, they, they would come up to me and literally say, listen, you're not going to play defense. You're just going to do special team. So by all means, do not even think about getting in the game. So I played special team. I would run down on kickoff. I remember one time on kickoff, a punt team, I, I tackled Deion Sanders. But my first year, I was just trying to make the team. But I think it wasn't in my mind that I could really play was until John Turling got, got here in Minnesota. And he all of a sudden just gave me the confidence that it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter that you're undersized. It doesn't matter you're a kid who grew up uh, with an outhouse and this and that you still belong in the National Football League. And I think God, I'll thank God for having him here to really do that. And it, it really just pushed me because when he left, I still had that belief that I was, I used to say this weird thing in practice. I tell guys, there's a reason I'm here. I am supposed to be the destroyer. I'm supposed to take everybody and destroy all offensive linemen because this is what God made me for. So I, I I thank God I had I did have John Turling though because he really instilled it in me and allowed me to take other young guys and try to tell them it doesn't matter where you come from and once you're here show people why you're here. You didn't have running water growing up. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, yeah. We had we had a we had a well outside, so we didn't have water the uh, water inside our house. We had a, a bucket that was inside our house. That I mean, yeah, we grew up basically like dirt poor. We didn't. We had to outhouse. Um, yeah, we we didn't have those 
big luxuries. My brother and I, we still talk about it today that one of the biggest luxuries that we had was we had a, um, one of those ice cubes. Uh, it was a silver metal ice cube tray that we used. And God forbid, he forgot to replace that thing with some ice, man. My mom would kill you. So for us, that was our luxury. But uh, yeah, we, we, we had to, we had love in that house, but man, it, it was about my mom saying, if, if you really want to do or make it better in life, you're going to have to work for it. And so I, I believe that and I stand by that. You know, you talked about rookie year, tough, and then things kind of took off for you starting in 91 and then you became a full-time starter in 92. I actually wanted to ask you about 92 through 95 because that's when Tony Dungy's your defensive coordinator. Yeah. And you played with a lot of great coaches, whether it was yes. Green, whether it was Mike Holmgren, but Tony Dungy, I think some people forget that he was there before he went to Tampa Bay and kind of became who he's now known for. How much of an impact, either as a coach or as a man or both, did Tony Dungy have on your career? Oh, my God. Tony had a huge – I mean, he probably was uh, – as for defense coordinator, because I had um, – God, we had so many different defense coordinators, but he probably – made the biggest impact because one of the first thing he told us was that he said, guys, I don't scream and holler at you. I don't be, belittle you in front of anybody. He's that's not my forte. He goes, if you mess up, I'm going to call you out of the game and let you stand next to me. That's how I get my point across. And for me, I understood it and uh, understood that uh, you, you don't want to make mental mistakes. So for me, I tried to play a perfect game because I always thought about what would Tony Dungy say to me? What would he do? And uh, he did he did some things to guys that the way he impacted. I mean, like, for instance, we, we had a guy who was one of our DBs, and he had a – he was from Louisiana, and he always used to scream, ah, oh, killer, wherever he made a big play. So in, in 92, we were like – I think we started out like 5-0 and or something – and this DB was in a meeting room and Tony just said, you know what, guys, I'm going to throw out, I'm going to put this highlight reel on of all our best plays. So we're watching it and you can hear this DB hollering, oh, killer, oh, killer. And all of a sudden he gets done. Tony takes the tape out back when he had tapes, throws in this tape of bad plays. And this DB happens to be on it. And without missing a beat, Tony Dungy goes, ah, oh, killer. <laughs> Dude, that right there was Tony Dungy. And he 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 just did things that from talking about being in the community, how uh, doing something in your community can impact you, maybe not today, but maybe five years from now or 10 years from now, because he said, there's families out there. Here in Minnesota, we have the, uh, you know, the, the Mayo Clinic and we had a, a, a kidney and, a, and a, I think a heart dialysis place. He used to have us go there and he said, those families are going through so much and by seeing your face could elevate their hopes and their dreams by just seeing your face and by you just coming in and just talking to them. So, you know, he played such a major part of me that that's what I still do here in Minnesota in so many different aspects from working with special needs kids to working with the March of Dimes to Special Olympics. It's all because of Tony Dungy. I love, love you giving back, John. It's awesome. Uh, you're saying, see your face it makes me think 
I'm assuming you took the face paint off when, when you went and made those visits. Where did that come from, that intimidation look? You're like, you know, I'm going to do this and take it to the next level. <laughs> that got started by we had some, some guys from Florida State who were kind of a little bit uh, out there, we just say. So one, one, one Sunday, they all came just to the game in fatigues. And I'm being a Texas guy, and they were like, hey, you going to wear fatigues? I'm like, no, nah, I'm not wearing fatigues, though. I'm good. So as we're getting ready for the game, they're putting on all this, this war paint, green, black, and gray. I'm over there in the corner just looking at them like, where are you guys from? I'm like, you know, we didn't do this back at Texas a and I'm not about to do this now. So they all of a sudden go, hey, you got to do this. So I just grab a little bit of this black paint, just kind of rub it underneath my eyes. Like, there you go. I'm, I'm with you, okay? So... As I forgot about it, I looked, I went to the shower and I came back. These guys were continuing to, to put the face paint around their heads. It's kind of just going all crazy around their necks. And I'm sitting there and I'm just kind of rubbing my eyes, going, what is going on? This, I, I'm like, I didn't have to deal with this with Henry Thomas, Chris Dolman, Keith Millar. What, are, what is wrong with these guys? And all of a sudden, they, they all turned around and saw I had this, that this paint kind of made a little little design they go oh my god hey look at johnny see that's what we're talking about johnny's doing it so we go in the game i get three sacks make a long story short i'm very superstitious and i said for me those three sacks i had to have gotten those from the face paint and from that point on i started wearing face paint and it's was a part of my game and i used to get fined for it from the nfl and I look at the game today and people are wearing paint all over the place. So, you know, John, we're up against the clock and we yep. appreciate it. Matt, you got something real quick you want to do? No, I was literally just going to say, you know, John, thanks so much for uh, joining us and, and sharing your, your uh, sponsorship there of uh, Sleep Number Beds. Uh, but really appreciate it. One of the finest in the game. We were looking before this interview, interior pass rushers, sack totals. And there's you tied for 10th all time of any mm -hmm. player. And then there's a long, long way to go. Aaron Donald second, 52 sacks behind you. Wow. Is, uh, well, really impressive. He's got to stay healthy and hopefully he can come up and, and, and uh, beat my numbers. But until then, I guess to say I'm like old Ric Flair, baby. <laughs> I'm still there. Woo! Do, you, do you wish you played outside uh, as we say goodbye? No, you know, no, I like playing inside. It was, it was better for me. I mean, you, those defensive ends, you had too many linebackers trying to get out there. And for me, there wasn't anybody trying to rush inside because they all believe that you can't get a sack inside. And I go, dude, if it's possible, I will do it. You did it on first down, on third down. It's, it's an incredible career, Hall of Fame career. John Randall, you are the man. Appreciate talking to you, working with Sleep Number, and uh, hopefully we'll get to do it again. Thank you. Quick timeout. Stay with us. You are listening to Stacking the Box. You probably know Progressive Insurance for insuring your home and auto. You may know Flo and Dr. Rick. But what you may not know is that Progressive helps employees support over 3,800 charitable organizations annually because we're committed to helping our employees, and our employees are committed to helping others. Anyway, we just wanted to share. We were a little too proud of it to keep it to ourselves. And if you already knew all of this about us, you've either heard this radio spot before or just randomly know a lot about Progressive. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates based on data from May 2020 through April 2021.
Thanks to the great John Randall for jumping on. That was a fun conversation. This should be fun as well as uh, Mr. Viking himself, Adam Patrick, at straight underscore cash underscore homie on Twitter, one of your great Twitter handles that you can find, and uh, the host of the Vikings Age podcast jumping on with us right now. Adam, you got a favorite thing about John Randall that stands out for you? Welcome, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I think what I enjoyed the most out of John Randall was just the fact that he would do so much research on his opponents, like down to what their kids' names were and everything. So he could just be out on the field and just totally freak them out, take them out of their element, and then he would have the advantage, slip right by them, and get the sack. Verderam, you got to love that. That that's some good Randall knowledge right there. I, I that's a good start, Adam Patrick. I appreciate that little tidbit. I did not know that he was that level of researching oh, yeah. John oh, Randall. Yeah. I love it, and I also love the fact that, like, obviously, as we know, he played in the '90s, so it's not like he was googling these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he to, to actually do that amount of research in in the '90s, it took real effort. It wasn't just a quick Wikipedia search. So I <laughs> I do applaud that effort. He was he was an unbelievable player. I mean, I, I enjoyed watching him in Favre, like all those years, just the amount of back and forth. It was always it was always uh, high-quality entertainment. Adam, are you a buyer or uh, a seller right now on your Minnesota Vikings? I mean, after the last two days, I'm a big buyer. We, I mean, they just fixed things with Daniil Hunter. They just added Sheldon Richardson. That's on top of adding Dalvin Tomlinson, Patrick Peterson, Bashad Breland, just to the defense. We're not even talking about the offense with Delvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins. Like, this team stays healthy. I really don't see why they can't contend in the NFC. I know there's there's the teams. What We, we got the Seahawks are always in it. We got people who think the Rams are going to be good. We got, who else? The Packers, if, well, if Aaron Rodgers comes back. Hopefully he doesn't. Um, and then, you know, you got the Bucks, of course, with Tom Brady. But I think the Vikings can be right in there with a the mix, especially with what they've done to the defense this offseason. You quibbling with any of that, Verderam? Because, listen, if, if no, I, I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. But if he does, I'm more than willing to say Minnesota's winning the North. Oh, if he if he leaves, the Vikings should absolutely win that division. The Lions are terrible, and the Bears are are in a like a transitional type stage. Unless Fields just comes in is unbelievable from day one, and even then, uh, I still think they'd have to add some guys around him uh, beyond just Allen Robinson. No, I don't quibble with a lot of that. Um, I think I think the Vikings defense, I just actually wrote about this like a week or two ago, that the Vikings defense should be really good this year. I mean, this is a team that, you know, Breland comes from Kansas City. I watch Breland every second of every day. Breland can play. He's a good player. And he'll fit in that scheme well. Patrick Peterson's not a one anymore, but he doesn't have to be a one anymore on that team. Like Cam Dantzler is somebody that people don't even know who he is. He's a really good young corner. You add that to Harrison Smith. Then you've got Eric Kendricks in the front seven, Daniel Hunter. Uh, you know, Michael Pierce has come back from the COVID-19 opt-out list. Like, th- that is a loaded front. they got a lot of guys. And Zimmer, look, I know sometimes he draws criticism. Whatever. Zimmer's a good coach, and he's a defensive coach. He knows how to use these parts. So my biggest concern with Minnesota is obvious. It's, it's just Cousins in, a play- in the playoffs. I mean, it, not so much that he can't win a playoff game. He went to New Orleans and won one. But – if, if they get into a game with Russell Wilson or if they get into a game with Brady or the Rodgers in a play, like can Cousins do enough where they can win that game? Like that to me is the question with Minnesota. I know, look, I, the receivers are excellent. The running back's great. 
I think the offensive line is better. I love their draft. I gave them, I think, one of my top five spots for what they did in the draft. I think they did a great job moving back and getting Christian Darashaw. You add him with Bradbury up front. That's a good young group. It just comes down to Cousins. If Cousins plays well in those big games, they have enough talent to compete. I agree with that. It's just, can he do it? That's, that's really it for me. I think, I think they did enough with the defense to make sure that Kirk Cousins isn't a factor. That's that's part of the reason why they did it. They don't want to put it all on his shoulders. So they're going to make sure, you know, that the offense doesn't have to score a lot of points. So hopefully Kirk Cousins doesn't have to feel like he has to carry the whole team on his back. Such an annoying place to be paying a quarterback, <laughs> you know, huge dough. Mm-hmm. And yet, OK, uh, even with that, we got to do all this <laughs> to hope that you can be good enough to carry that if that made sense. I think it did. Uh, let's, let's look at, uh, Adam, you agree that the chiefs are the best team in football. Or you got Tampa Bay up top in your Adam Patrick power rankings. I mean, right now you just have to go with the bucks just cause they won the super bowl. They beat the chiefs head to head. Um, they shut down Patrick Mahomes. Uh, not many people can say that they've been able to do that. So right now the bucks are number one, but yeah, of course the chiefs are, are right up there. They, they could even be, you know, one a, um, because, Obviously, they're loaded with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and even a bunch of playmakers on defense. I mean, I, I'm putting them one just because of their reworked offensive line. But and, and I, you I work get, for Fansided, so you have to put them. That's one. true. That's true. We are uh, the home of the Chiefs <laughs> here at Fansided. It's 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 very. Uh, uh, let's see, what's the word I'm looking for? Bizarre. That would be one. The company, but, uh, the company was born out of uh, Arrowhead Attic. So I mean, it. Uh, that's oh, there's, true. There's no, there's no doubt for anyone else to know. I mean, I was absolutely hired because I worked at the SB Nation chief site and they read my work and brought me <laughs> on. I mean, if I, if I'm a, a normal New Yorker and I'm a Giants fan, I'm not sitting here. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I never had that put that two and two together, Vertoram. That's interesting. Oh, no, it's 100% true. Oh, it's I 100% believe true. it. I 1000% believe it. So a little bit of Chiefs news that that's why I'm teeing it up here. Uh, Chris Jones, who's been incredibly, effective as a defensive tackle he's got 40 and a half sacks uh playing on the inside he's going outside at least some mm-hmm. uh, they're going to try to upgrade the uh the the pass rush by putting jones on the outside boosting it on up is this a big deal Verderam? i mean do you, do you think it's a good move for the by the chiefs to try to s- shake things up i guess here and you're taking you're kind of you could be robbing peter to pay paul so i I have a nuanced opinion on this. If they're just going to exclusively, and I see Spagnuolo talked about it on Monday about basically, look, we're, we're training him to play two positions now. We're going to play edge as a defensive end, hand the dirt. He's also going to play, you know, we're going to reduce him down inside when it makes sense. I like it in a vacuum because they have Frank Clark on one side. Taco Charlton would be the other starter. If there's a weakness for the Chiefs, it would be that spot. So, if you put Chris Jones out there, that's no longer a weakness. He has played some of that in the past last year, and he did he did pretty well. He was pretty impressive. Um, he's got the body type for it, so I, I think in that regard, like I don't I don't hate it. They signed Jerron Reed, uh, who who was cut by Seattle after a contract dispute, and I remember asking a source close to the team when they did that. He said, "You know, does this preclude you guys from maybe?" going after some other pass rush. And, and the answer essentially was it becomes less of a need. And so when, when I got that answer, I thought, well, okay, then Chris Jones might be playing some more outside because I think if he's not, then, then that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
They also have this kid, Tashern Wharton, who played there last year in, inside, was very good in, as, as a pass rusher. And they have Derek Nott, who's one of the better run-stuffing tackles in the league. So I get it. I understand it. And I also think it's the kind of thing, look, if it's not working, they'll junk it. They're not going to keep Chris Jones out there and make him a hood ornament. So I like it um, as long as they're flexible with it. Adam, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. I just want to give a little next-gen stats for the record here. Jones on the edge, to your point, Vertoram, he's done it some. 42 snaps outside in 2020, 30 pass rush opportunities, 16.7% quarterback pressure rate, 0.81 get off. Uh, if you want to compare it to somebody like Aaron Donald, who took uh, almost four times the edge snaps last year, 124 on the pass rush compared to 30. So again, four times uh, Donald uh, uh, when he's playing outside 23.4% of the quarterback pressure. So 7% better and uh, a 0.84 average get off. So slightly better, but so Jones is around it. And that's obviously one of the NFL's best. Do you think this matters a whole lot, Adam? Uh, yeah, it's good for the chiefs though, because yeah, I think Spagnolo also mentioned that, you know, we're going to move him inside and outside, you know, depending on what's going on. So versatility is always good to have, especially on your defensive line. Uh, it adds an element of unpredictability for your defense. He's going to get, you know, brand new matchups with some of these offensive tackles that have, you know, never really gone against him on a full-time, more of a full-time basis. So he's going to get to maybe exploit them. At, at a period in his career where he's one of the best, you know, defensive linemen in the league. So he's going to be able to learn, use what he's learned over the years to take advantage of maybe some of these younger, you know, offensive tackles, you know, the chargers just got uh, Slater in the draft. So, you know, he'll be able to go against him and maybe just, just tear him apart because he's a rookie and Jones has been in the league for so long. So, yeah, I like, I like this thinking with the chiefs because, you know, they didn't go out and spend money on another pass rusher. They they're using the guy that they already are paying a bunch of money to, to, you know, move on the outside. They know he has those pass rushing skills. So, you know, why put him on the outside, see what he can do. If not, then, then bring him back in. Chris Jones has got to be thrilled about this way more fun oh, to yeah. play on the outside. Right. Well, plus, I mean, it's just more money, right? Like if you yeah, yeah. like, if, if they put him outside pretty much exclusively and he goes out and it's 15 sacks or something, like he's just incredible. I mean, he's going to be like, Hey, give, give me the Frank Clark contract, you know, give, give me some more money on the, on the, uh, and now he's, he just signed the new deal. So he's got a couple of years to wait, but still, if you're, if you're Chris Jones, it's not a bad thing. Certainly not a bad thing. I mean, he's been pretty vocal about what a great athlete he is throughout his entire career. He's not bashful. So I don't think he's uh, going to shy away from it by any means. Let's, uh, move on to the Packers and Mark Murphy president uh, comments on Aaron Rodgers. Let me, I thought, did you guys read this off their website? It, I find it to be very entertaining. He takes these Q and A's off the Packers website. And so here's a comment from they started now on to your questions, a question from Dwayne Murphy exclamation point, get that jerk Gutenkunst to get off his butt and make a play to get Julio Jones on the Packers, exclamation point. And then the response, thanks for the email, Dwayne. Thanks as well for the 20 previous emails you've sent in recent <laughs> months. Interestingly, there's not a single question among the 20 emails. While I appreciate your persistence and passion, I must tell you that I have tremendous confidence in Brian Gutenkunst. 
in his relatively short term as our GM, he has completely returned around, completely turned around the fortunes of our team. Wow, Mark Murphy, pretty bold. He's put together a talented team. Last year, we had the most players voted to the Pro Bowl. and has a 28-8 record over the last two years after consecutive losing seasons in 2017 and 2018 and has played in back-to-back NFC Championship games. Moreover, he's got a great working relationship with Matt LaFleur. He and EVP Director of Football Operations Russ Ball have managed our salary cap smartly and have us well-positioned for the future. So, I mean, this dude's making a comment about Julio Jones and he just took it like, dude, F off. Everything he's done here is great. We weren't making the playoffs. Now we're making it. You want to say it's all Aaron Rodgers, but he was here before. So uh, I thought it was a pretty aggressive response by Murphy. And he really took the opportunity to underline what was most important to him. Uh, I thought it was a big deal. Any, anybody got, uh, what are the thoughts here on this one? Um, I mean, at this point, I don't really make anything of, of what Murphy's going to say because I think it's safe to assume the relationship between him and Rodgers is a big reason why Rodgers wants out in the first place. Um, you know, obviously Rodgers isn't happy with the way maybe he's been treated, maybe maybe kind of taken for granted, underappreciated. Um, so he's just and, – and, and Murphy's like, that's cool, we're winning, so I don't really care how you feel. We've got a quarterback behind you that can take over. We feel like if you if you don't want to play, then fine, we're, we're still set. But, you know, everyone in the NFC North, though, is really enjoying this, though. So if they can keep this going as long as possible, I would really appreciate that. I don't think Mark Murphy cares about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Like, I really – I just think that's where we're at. Like, I don't think he cares. I don't think there's any love lost between either side at this point. Right, like that's such an insane comment, though. Like you, you have to care what he thinks. Why? Why does he have to care what he thinks? Because he's arguably the greatest player in the history of the franchise. Okay, fine. And he's under contract, and he can't go anywhere unless the Packers let him go somewhere. Like, let's just look. I'm not saying this is the case. I don't know that this is the case. But here's a potential situation, right? Aaron Rodgers is not the easiest guy in the world to maybe deal with. I, I don't know him. Maybe he's unbelievably great to deal with, but I, I, maybe that's the case. Like he in the front office, not a great relationship. I think that's a pretty safe assumption to make. So maybe Mark Murphy looks at this thing and goes, you know what, Aaron, you can dislike us all you want. You can be ticked off that we didn't call you about the Jordan Love pick, which they should have, by the way. Okay. I think, I think Rogers has a beef with that. You can be ticked off that we didn't go for it at the end of the game in the NFC title game and we kicked the field goal, which again, I would side with Rodgers on. You can be ticked off that we haven't drafted an offensive player other than Jordan Love in the first round in the last 10 years. And by the way, again, Rodgers would have another beef with that. But in the end, Mark Murphy could also say, but Aaron, guess what? We will try to do right by you. Like, we will, we will give you this year. We will trade you after this season. You can go off and, and do whatever you want to do after this. But you're playing here this season. And if you'd like to retire and cut us a check for, your, for the remainder of your bonus, which is $23 million, you go right ahead. And you forfeit the next $100 million that's on your contract. That's fine. But if you decide not to do that, we'll be here. And this is where you're going to play, whether you like it or not. And I think if you're Murphy, like, would you like to mend fences? Sure. But maybe, maybe, and again, I don't know this, maybe he's just to the point where he's like, I don't, I don't really care at this juncture. If you're if you're going to be that stubborn, I, two can play at that game. See you in August. Well, that that's clearly how he's acting. Um, so 
maybe maybe he simply at this point doesn't quote unquote care what what Aaron thinks. Are either of you big diehard fans? The movie? Yeah. Um, maybe this is a bad time to admit it, but I don't think I've ever seen Die Hard. Oh my god! That, that, I have that, seen it, but it was a while ago. So this is a huge. This is where Carm feels old. Did they come out it, like when I was three. I yeah, know. right, 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 <laughs> right. But so like I've seen like one floor of the cuckoos as in Deliverance. So that's like not an excuse for you, Adam. Patrick. I've seen, I've seen the, singing in the rain. How about that? Okay, okay, that I mean that counts a little bit. But when <laughs> uh, when Willis is in the tower and he's trying to figure things out, the uh, the pup and his name is Dwayne and he's like, I am Dwayne T Robinson and I am in charge. Of, well, Dwayne, it doesn't look like you're in charge of anything. So to the guy who wrote Mark Murphy, Dwayne, I'm thinking about Dwayne in Die Hard and somebody out there, Verderam in Stacking the Box Listening Land, is getting this reference and is really enjoying it. So feel free if you have any. Dwayne, Dwayne was was messing it up, man. Do we in, think he's even real though? Do we think Dwayne is even real or someone that they made up just to be like, oh, we made this question up, so we're going to... That's not a bad comment, right? Well, I don't know. I think he is real because the the, the, the vitriol going back <laughs> at him on his 20 emails was significant. Yeah. Hey, but there there was one other thing, and we got to uh, move along here, but I, I want to read as far as Jordan Love, uh, what uh, Murphy had to say about him. He was They're asking, there, here's a guy who loves him. Loved our draft this year. Our, obviously, the brass is very high on Jordan Love. How is he progressing? And the comment back is that's the million dollar question, Brian. It's a shame for Jordan that the pandemic impacted so much of his rookie year. Although it wasn't a completely wasted year, he had no in-person practices in the off-season program and no preseason game experience. Although it's hard to tell a lot in the off-season practices, both LaFleur and offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett have said they like what they've seen from Jordan this off-season. Uh, Hackett said the biggest difference this year is his confidence in the system. But it, I just think it's a little interesting that he's underlining that, you know, it, it, to me it just sounds like we're a little bit more stuck with Aaron because we haven't been able to do with Jordan what they wanted to do. Um, so that, that for whatever that's worth, I thought that was just a little interesting nugget out of that whole column with the Packers. But uh, let's, let's, let's move along here on stacking the backs to question three or topic three and into the future. Do we believe that Russell Wilson really didn't want a trade as he's changing his tune? Uh, Verrem, what, what do you think? Uh, is, is Russ just making nice here and he actually really still perhaps wants out? Um, you know, I, I think, look, I think he wanted them to do something. It's offseason. I think that was basically the idea was, look, I need more help. I need, I need some more help here. My offensive line stinks every year. And then went out and they got Gabe Jackson. Now, they didn't have really any draft picks. So they weren't doing much in the draft for him. Um, they lost. They lost Shaquille Griffin, their top corner, to Jacksonville in free agency. Not great. Um, I think in the end, like like could he in the next year or two get traded? Yeah, it's possible. It's a new day in the NFL. Wouldn't be stunning. Do I think it's overly likely? No. Like to me, Russell Wilson's different than Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson does not want to rock the boat. He does not want to be a guy who's seen negatively. Aaron Rodgers, I don't know that he particularly cares. Um, I, I think it's there are different personalities. So, look, in the end, do I think Wilson was fortunate with it? No. Uh, I do think it's noteworthy, though, that, that he had a list of teams he was willing to go to, right? Like, that wasn't something that just happened one day and then it was gone the next. He Here's the like, four. You know, yeah, he's like, you know – I'm not saying I want out. I didn't request a trade, but oh, by the way, you know, if the Raiders call, you know, I mean, that's, 
there was some thought behind it. I don't think he requested a trade. Like, I believe him in that regard. Though I think there was some thought that went into that. Yeah, definitely. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, Matt just, just brought it up. He had a preferred list of, of trade destinations, but he didn't want to trade. It just it just seems a little fishy. You know, and I'm not talking about the market in uh, Seattle, but um, I, I I think to what, to what Matt said, I feel like he maybe actually does feel – he feels similar to Rodgers. He doesn't act the same way, but he probably feels, you know, maybe a little taken for granted, underappreciated. He wants to have more input in how on how the offense works. He knows he has something to offer. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he doesn't want to hand the ball off, you know, more than half the time of the game. So I think he just is getting a little frustrated with how things maybe aren't going his way in Seattle when he feels like he has something to help the team get better like somebody in a uh, struggling marriage having a list of four people down right. that, that, that they're going to call yeah. uh, immediately. If it goes they, south. <laughs> right, right. But I really didn't have any interest in any of them. Not, not in the least. I've never once thought about such person in a more aggressive way than I think about the people on this podcast. Okay. Uh, getting a little awkward here. Let's continue on with which quarterback is under the most pressure this season to have a big year QB pressure. You must do well, or your life as a quarterback is going to go the way of Mitchell Trubisky. Who's going to sit in Buffalo this year. Uh, unless of course, Josh, Allen gets hurt, which uh, hopefully for the Bills, that doesn't happen. Who do you think is under the most impression? Adam, let me start with you on this one. Uh, there's a lot to choose from. I think you could look at Baker Mayfield, maybe even Kyler Murray, uh, Josh Allen, see if he can you know repeat last season's performance. But I'm going to go with a guy who got traded to L.A. this year, and that's Matthew Stafford, because you know it's assumed by most that he's going to be a significant upgrade over Jared Goff, which in terms of talent, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But the guy has only led a team to the playoffs once in his entire career, and he's been in the league for almost a decade. And that team also had Kelvin Johnson on it. So, you know, if Stafford doesn't perform well next season, he's going to look bad. Uh, it's going to he's going to look bad. The Rams front office is going to look bad for investing so much into acquiring him. Um, so I think Stafford's under a bunch of pressure to to produce next year because right now I think a lot of people in the Rams organization think that they can contend for a Super Bowl. So he's got a lot of pressure uh, on his shoulders this year. I, I agree with Stafford. That's a good pick. And you're right. Look, uh, you know, he's never won a division title. He's never won a playoff game. I do believe he's gotten there three times to the playoffs, but he's never, he's never won a playoff game. And so he's, he's somebody who, yeah, like if it doesn't go well, he's going to be blamed for it. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no way around that. I'll give you one in each conference quick. I think Daniel Jones is under a lot of pressure. The Giants added a lot of guys around him. Kadarius Toney, first-round pick. Kenny Galladay, big-time free agent signing. Saquon Barkley's back. They, they spent the fourth overall pick last year on a left tackle. Andrew Thomas. That's a lot of guys. They have spent money. Uh, Adam's old friend, uh, Kyle Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph in town. Right? Like they have, you know, and, and they also have Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. I mean, that is a team – that if you put a really good quarterback on that team, they're going to score a lot of points. So the other thing to factor in here is with Daniel Jones, look, the Giants have two first-round picks next year. They have the Bears pick. If Daniel Jones is not good, they can easily replace him. So I think he's under a lot of pressure. And in the AFC, not that he's going to lose his job or anything, but 
I think Lamar Jackson's under a lot of pressure. They have to take a step forward. And Carm, you, you, we talked about earlier on the show with them. They have to make a move. This is now, I mean, three years they've been in the playoffs with him, which is great. They've won one playoff game. And the last image we have of him is in Buffalo throwing a pick six to basically kill any chance of winning that game where they scored three points. I mean, if they could have done anything offensively in that game, they win. And, and yet they couldn't do anything at all. I know Tucker missed a couple of kicks, but that's beside the point. They were awful offensively in that game. So I think with Jackson, like he's looking for that huge contract extension. And if he goes into the year without one and they fizzle out and they lose in the wild card round again, you're going to start hearing more and more of that. Like, is he the guy? Is he who we want to give 40 plus million a year to? And I think it becomes a real question. A lot of good stuff here for the record. Uh, just a quick follow-up from me. Uh, to me, it's Tua. Uh, that could go There's south. Five picks today, by the way. Five yeah. and counting in yeah. Miami in a, in a seven-on-seven drill. Right. <laughs> and the, Which is why I think it could go that south that quickly. Because if he sucks, uh, they're not going to – I think that rope will get pretty damn short pretty quick. Uh, not that the Dolphins have any great options now. Kobe Brissett. Yeah, I mean, well, right, right, great, but I take it back. I take it back. I mean, I, he's I, a good backup. Yeah, I, I completely take that back. Jacoby Brissett could absolutely step in um, if, if two is terrible and win them games because there's enough talent to do it. Adam, you look like you got something. Trade for Deshaun Watson, depending on, you know, what happens with him even, you know, being on the exemplist or something like that. Like Super interesting, right? Yeah. He's what? Supposedly he's, he's interested in Denver. The Watson yeah. thing, if in, in Adam, you're right. I mean, it really so much of it depends on the legality and all and all that, you know, with, with where he stands on the legal side. If I'm the Dolphins, if I'm Chris Greer, you've got a lot of picks in the next couple of years. I'm calling the Packers. Oh. I, I and I you know what? When that the day that all broke, which really the draft when it really went yep. crazy, the first team I thought of was Miami. Tweeted out, it was like they have a ton of picks. I I think they need a quarterback because I don't think two is good. Um, if I'm the Dolphins, like it's not like Rogers has some kind of a no trade clause. And would he really be that upset going to Miami for a few years? Like that's not the worst place in the world to live. And it's a good team. If I'm Chris Greer, I'm absolutely calling them and just saying, Hey, you know, listen, we're not making a trade tonight, but like, what do you, what would be the ballpark? I mean, I would at least get that conversation going because you put Rogers on that team. They're a Super Bowl contender Two on that team. Carm, I'm with you. I know you're down on them. I, I don't even know that they're a playoff team with, with the way he's been playing. Let's take our final timeout on Stack in the Box. We'll come back with a little in or out and uh, wrap up the show in just a second. Let's pause for a quick second here so we can pay some bills. We're right back with Stacking the Box. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Wait, every time you wake up is the same day? That's terrible. Eh, don't worry, I call Progressive. Their 24-7 protection still works, even if my day does last forever. Yeah, but don't you want it to end? Are you kidding? I win the lottery whenever I want and never regret anything. It's the best. Yeah, that's a good point. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. We've got one in or out for you. Adam, you're leading the way on this. It's, uh, of course, your Vikings. And it's Kirk Cousin and the Vikes will win at least one playoff game this year. It's June the 15th. I need an all-in, in or out. The Vikings will win at least one playoff game this year. I mean, 
I'm a thousand percent in. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mentioned this earlier uh, in our discussion that they just fixed things with Daniel Hunter yesterday. They just signed Sheldon Richardson, who could be, uh, you know, part of their depth. Like he does, he's not, he might not even start because that's how many pieces they already have on defense to go along with the additions of of Patrick, Patrick Peterson, who is super motivated to prove everyone wrong uh, next season. Bashad Breeland coming off, you know, being with the Chiefs for the last two seasons, being in the Super Bowl. Dalvin Tomlinson combined with the guys they already have on the roster. Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr goes on. I haven't even mentioned the offense with Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. You know, they, they're not going to have to do a whole lot because the defense is going to shut everyone down. So, yeah, I'm all in on the Vikings making the playoffs and making some noise in the playoffs next season. I feel like going straight uh, homer right now and just tell you that Justin Fields is going to start week four against the Lions. The Bears are going to be absolutely amazing. I'm going to win my bet with Verderam, who's going to do uh, – he's going to do a great video. Tributing. Yes, exactly right. Um, but uh, I think everything, Adam, you just said makes a whole lot of sense. So actually we'll float all the way back and not be a homer and say I'm, I'm in as well. It's going to be a great year for Minnesota. You sca- you as a Bears fan, are you scared of the Vikings? Um, I'm not scared. Worried? I, I'm not scared of Minnesota. No, no. Bears. Yeah. That, that, that seems a little too tall, but <laughs> I have, uh, a respect for okay, okay, okay. the talent level and what they've done in the off season. And I absolutely would not be surprised to see Minnesota in the playoffs and even win a playoff game. <laughs> Verram, you in or out? I'm in. I think Minnesota has the opportunity to be a top four team in the conference, which if you're winning a playoff game, that's probably what you are, right? Like Green Bay, if, if Green Bay holds on to Rodgers, I like Green Bay in the division, although I do think it's interesting because um, if Bakhtiari's not healthy and Lindsley is, is – obviously he's gone. He's in, he's in L.A. with the Chargers now. Like that revamp front for the, for the Vikings could cause problems for Green Bay. Like, and that, that's the way to beat Green Bay. I mean, that, that is a way to oh, just look at the Tampa game, get the Rodgers, right? It's a way to beat any good quarterback, great quarterback. Um, but yeah, I think Minnesota's right there. Like, at, look, I think Tampa and Green Bay right now are the two best teams in the NFC. But after that, like, I, I throw a lot of teams in a bag, man. Seattle, Minnesota, LA, if the Niners are healthy. Like, to me, any of those teams are good enough to win a game or two in the playoffs. And any of them, by the way, also have the flaws. Like I said with Cousins, like Cousins is the thing that scares the hell out of me. You know, that that's the thing. I am a Chiefs fan. I watch many teams in my lifetime who are really talented, who are short-circuited by a limited quarterback. Like, I've just, I've seen it. I saw like, look, I have all the respect in the world for Alex Smith. The Chiefs largely had the same roster in 2016 and 2017. They could not get to the Super Bowl with the second Mahomes showed up. They, they, it felt like they never lost another game. So, yeah, I'm in on Minnesota winning the game, though, in the playoffs. I, I think Minnesota's the kind of team that if Cousins plays well and or does not need to do a ton, they're really dangerous. It doesn't sound like Matt was a big Elvis Gerback guy. <laughs> Still hate him with a, with a blinding rage. Still him, Steve, although although better than Steve Bono, who who deserves prison time for what he did to me as a child. Got some, he's got some good uh, Rich Gannon years, though, you yeah. know. Yeah, little bit. yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. And then we, then we let him go, so we could have Garbach, and he immediately became an MVP with the Raiders. <laughs> Adam, so uh, we're gonna have you stick around for the end of the show here, which is uh, what we we talk about what's going on uh, 
outside of the league, outside of anything, just in the old personal life, Verderam, anything special that you'd like to share today? Not a ton. I, you know, 10 days away from my, my uh, you know, longer vacation that I always take every summer, go back home, go to New York, see the friends, see the family. So I'm excited about that. But really my, you know, my, my gripe has to be right now. Like I, as everyone who listens to this podcast by now knows I have a three and a half year old daughter, the wonderful Maisie Verderam, who is great. But I will tell you, she watches this show on PBS Kids, uh, the app called Pinkalicious. And it's about this like little kid. I, I, who, who knows how old she is? Who cares? And everything's, you know, pink this and pink that. It's pinkatastic. It's all this crap. <laughs> I've never rooted more in my life for a cartoon character to get hit by a car. Like I just, I, it's the most annoying show on the face of the earth. And Maisie loves it. She's like, Daddy, watch the show with me. And of course, listen, I, I try to be a good dad. So I sit there and I, I choke back my, my internal hatred and rage for all things pink delicious. But now we're to the point we go up, you know, usually I'll read two books to her, right? Before she goes to bed, you know, small kids' books. And I'm like, okay, Maisie, pick out two books. Kids got literally probably 150 books to choose from. Picks the two damn books of pink delicious, which somebody bought for her, like, like a, a sadist. Okay, so now I got to sit here and read more about Pinkalicious. I, I'm telling you, like I, I've never, I don't wish bodily harm on really just about anybody in the world, but this is a cartoon character. I don't feel bad. Somebody, for the love of God, take Pinkalicious out. I can't take it anymore. She can watch Clifford, Disney <laughs> all day, Curious George. Which Curious George also sucks, by the way. But like anything else, anything else. I can't take any more of this stupid kid and her obsession with pink. It drives me nuts. Maisie, please watch something other than this, this weirdo child <laughs> pink delicious. It's awful. That, that's my, my uh, issue at the moment. You, you were fine in my mind until you attack curious George, which is, you know, oh, just, I, yeah. I mean, like straight iconic and, Low, and you bro. just, yep. You know, it sucks. Uh, Adam, any, anything, uh, any reaction to Verderam's rant on? I mean, daughter? I can I can relate. I got a two and a half year old and a, and a one year old boy. Uh, so, you know, we're we're watching all that stuff. Coco Melon, you know, but I've been able to get them in the Toy Story, Cars, Lion King. So, you know, we're, we're expanding the horizons. But we do have the, the annoying shows like Blippy. I don't know if you guys are familiar oh, with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. But exactly don't that, don't right. step into that realm because you'll never be able to get back out. And I also wanted to say I wish I could come to you guys and tell you that these stereotypes about ikea furniture are not true but after building a table last night they are 100 percent true because that took way way longer and there were way way too many pieces to put together a table last night than i was anticipating so <laughs> my hands are very tired today yeah the fact that ikea has become this i'm gonna i don't even know but i'm assuming billion dollar store yeah. <laughs> oh and, easily yeah and, right and and you've gotta assemble the stuff I, I come from the land of i pay someone to do that <laughs> oh. I, there's there's just which doubles the price of the table but um i you actually huge props to you adam for sticking through it and, and getting it done that that's uh that's impressive I, well we got rid of the other tables so i i like had no choice i was like well it's either this or no table and that's hey. not gonna work so i'm team ikea all day man i've got one two three three six pieces of furniture in my office that are you know wood based like a bookshelf or a media center every one of them is ikea every single one of them yeah, the stuff that's... lasts it's good it's just got yeah. put it together 
let's uh let's say goodbye on i'll just say that uh you know in my non-parenting life of children i i do have uh poppy the dog poppy the puppy still alive after what you put it through you you sick bastard yes but what we've done is uh, taken the, the animal to uh, a home three and a half hours north of chicago where she is getting trained uh poppy is is hanging out with um a teddy who is actually her brother and they've been playing and uh there's two much older large dogs poppy's all of 10 pounds and these are 70 pound 80 pound dogs that poppy is learning from she's learning how to take treats everything going on at this house is things that uh, i could not do it uh, wasn't cheap, but I think it was the greatest investment that I've made getting rid of this animal for three weeks, and hopefully it's going to come back a ready-made dog. So, uh, you know, Poppy was great on the car ride up, sat on Chelsea, my wife's lap the whole way, gave it some water about three-quarters of the way through, had a little food, didn't do her business in the car. It was a win, and uh, yeah, got to stop at a little vacation spot on the way back down. This is all, It's been an incredible couple of days here with Poppy the dog. So thank you, Poppy. Hashtag Poppy the dog. Hashtag check out Carm's TikTok. I'll be doing some TikToks because this I'm going to do some duets. Oh They're doing TikToks of Poppy learning her stuff. This is good stuff. Oh, boy. Hey, Adam, <laughs> dude, awesome to have you. Appreciate you jumping out when we got John Randall. Thanks to John Randall, of course, as well. Uh, but everybody should be checking out um, Adam's podcast as well, The Viking Age, uh, doing great work uh, for fan-sided on the, on the written side as well. Uh, Adam, you're awesome, brother. Thanks again for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. And Verderam, you're all right, too. Eh. Sorry. Whatever. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stag in the Box coming back at you next Tuesday as our NFL offseason is rolling along. And we'll be here coming around sooner than you think. So enjoy the summer. And thanks for listening today. We'll see you next time. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.